0: J-Files on Double J.
1: How many times have you sat around with your friends, dreaming up grand ideas? Maybe making music, thinking about your futures and planning what you're going to do to change the world? Well, in the late 90s, in a Sydney share house, members of hip-hop collective The Herd decided to start a record label to put out the music that they were making. This simple idea by a bunch of mates... Has grown into something that has literally diversified the sound of Australian music and really helped to shape its future direction. That devil on I'm Gemma Pike. Welcome to the J-Files podcast. You know, to this day, Elephant Tracks remains one of Australia's leading independent record labels. 100% artist run with a real ethos of originality, authenticity and ethics. They're responsible for sharing with us some of Australia's most successful hip-hop, electronic and R&B artists. marks 20 years of the label. So, I've invited a few members from the incredible roster to share their connection, their memories and their favourite moments of being part of the Elephant Tracks community. To begin, I want to take you back to that Sydney share house with founding members Kenny and Tim, better known as Tracksuit
2: and Earthboy. So, if you take yourself back 20 years and think about what was happening at the time with technology... Now, back then, when bands were trying to make music, you'd have to save up your pennies, then go down to um, pennies. like It's like 50 years ago. Yeah, that's, a good that's right. It was a horse uh, and cart that yeah, took us down to the studio. Save up all your pennies and go to a recording studio. Now, just at that time, we, uh, there, was, there was software available that people were starting to use on their home computers. So they were starting to get more and more popular. And we were making lots of music. We are getting to electronic music. We were making all this music. There was nothing to do with it because there wasn't any labels to put it out. Now, we'd be looking overseas and we'd be seeing all these really cool labels like uh, Ninja Tune and Warp Records and they were all like in- independent record labels and they were putting out like the best cutting-edge electronic music at the time. And we thought, how come there's nothing like that in Australia? Imagine if there was. Um, and we thought- there were little pockets, like there were little
3: labels, but it wasn't anywhere near the same kind of coverage. So it just wasn't. People you could call.
2: Yeah, like there's one label like doing like uh, funk music and that was doing it quite well at the time, but it just w- wasn't, um, you know, fitting in with what we wanted to do. There was people doing like a lot of analog, electronic, like, you know, techno kind of music, but that didn't fit our stuff either. So we're thinking, how can we get our music out? We're, we're writing this music. It kind of like there's like, like little hip hop influence. We were like into drum and bass at the time, some of us, and you know, there's nothing we could do. So we just thought, what would happen if we wrote our own, made our own label, and what does that mean? Now I never really even did business in school. I didn't know what an invoice really meant, um, but I started spreading the word. I said, "You know, I'm, I'm starting up a label," and that moved on from I'm thinking of starting up a label. And people go, "What does that mean? What do you have to do?" And once I started saying I'm starting a label. Then it gives an authenticity to it. People start knocking on your door. That's hey. right. <laughs> You've got a label. <laughs> <laughs> I still didn't know what was happening. But but then the, the words just spread. And then you end up... Uh, this time I met my good friend Tim here. Yeah. Um, at some random uh, Thai restaurant in Newtown. And I, I knew his brother through some random connection. And he, he said, Oh, you're making a label? Oh, my brother's been making music in his bedroom. <laughs> Um, you should talk to him. He's just on the other end of the table. Um, and that's how we met. And, and likewise, all the different people um, in the herd who end up being the people running the label, uh, they all had very similar intros of um, like Rich, Richie, who's one of the producers in the herd. He was a 16 years old at the time, 16 years old. And I didn't actually even get to meet him until the launch, the launch gig. So he like slid a CD under my door um I chucked it on a compilation CD uh and then you know one thing that really helped the label work is I didn't want to take ownership of it I thought I'm working with all these awesome people let's run it like a collective style all people had um different things that they could input and that helped that helped spread the word it also um helped get things done it also because uh, it had this excitement behind it, it the message just kept on um, you know, catapulting to different groups of friends. And, mm. and uh, uh, friends connected with each other. And
3: I guess it allowed a lot of people who were f- focused on a particular style of music to come in under the broad umbrella that Elephant Tracks had kind of opened up as a possibility for the sound of the label. Because I wasn't into drum and bass. I wasn't into to techno, I wasn't into that style of music. I was into hip hop, but I was still open minded about that other so um I think a lot of people started to make connections um and realize that the eclectic nature of what was happening with all this circle of friends and the, the friends outside of that circle you know, started to shape I guess what really set the tone
2: for Elephant Tracks. Yeah, and we had like this real DIY fuss about it as well. Our first CD was all burnt at home on our CD-Rs. So we had these burners going, um, and I got my rubbed in my flatmate as well. He had his burners going, um, and we were running out of time coming up to the launch. So we had to like set alarms throughout the night. Where we'd fall asleep, and then the alarm would go off, and we'd go up, would change CD, and start off the burner again. Um, and, this, there was the, yeah. and and things like having
3: a two-speed burner or a
2: four-speed <laughs> burner was a had
3: a real profound difference on the productivity of the label in those early <laughs> days. Like that was a big te- that was a big technological leap for us to yeah. have like a what a ten-speed and a, uh, that, that took a while. Yeah.
2: Think about it, two speed, that's what it means. We're making a 70 minute CD. That minutes. takes 35 minutes of burning for one CD. And that's how elephant tracks began. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Burn down a parliament, we burn down a flag. Burn down a liar like we burn out spy. The Dutch oven cooked with the smoke, that was crap, so the fire
3: flew fast, the flames in the red rag. Burn down a parliament, we burn down a flag. Burn down a liar like we burn down spine. The Dutch oven cooked with the smoke, that was scraps, so the fire flew
2: fast in the flames with the red rack. So I was living in a share house in like Redfern at the time. So for some reason I got I inherited this massive PA. Like big, big speakers. And they were in my tiny bedroom. and They were kind of like the desks that people would like work at. And I had like computers on there. I'd do all the recording in my bedroom. Don't ask why, but I had a four-poster bed as well. Um, so as we didn't know what we were doing, we tried making that a vocal booth. So we'd throw like a blanket over the top of the four-poster bed and throw someone inside with a mic.
3: Very romantic.
2: <laughs> That's right. I'm hot. And think, this would be great. Just like a vocal booth. Um yeah, so that's what the first CD sounds like.
3: Did we tell you that we didn't really know anyone in the music industry? Is that apparent by
2: that story of the four-poster bed being our studio? Uh, yeah, I remember when we were interviewing housemates, we were so like dedicated at the time that our, our share house was like a factory. And we said, yeah, yeah, you can stay. But you'd understand that you know, there's boxes everywhere of CDs. You understand that we can't have a TV in the house. If we not have a TV, you have to have it in your bedroom. Because there's no time for TV in this house. We have meetings. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it's not an empire. It's a collective. We actually have own people yeah. who want to live with us. Yeah. Crazy. That didn't last long. Okay. So now we had these CDs made, hand burnt ourselves. What did we do with them? We Our first run was like 250. Um, we didn't know any distributors. We didn't know how to go uh, get it into shops. We were friends with like these uh, this uh, local record store that were helping us out a lot. And I'm um, just telling us stuff. And they said, just buy, go, go down to the news agency and buy a receipt book. And then you can stock them here. So that's called consignment. So then we went and did that. We'd drop off like, you know, 10 CDs or five CDs. And then we'd make a little backpack and we'd go on a little expedition throughout Surrey Hills and Redfern and then eventually Newtown and Glebe. And we'll be going into record stores and say, hey, would you you want to stock our um, CDs? And we'll come back in a week. And if they're sold, then you give us the money. So, there's no risk for those guys. And at the time, we were like severely undercutting <laughs> because it was just us in the shop. Like, CDs were like about 30 bucks at the time, sometimes $33 for international stuff. We were selling them for like $18 and $13 at our gigs. Um, so, <laughs> Maybe we were like pricing it too low that people thought the quality wasn't any good. (laughs) But anyway, that's how we started. They would have been right (laughs) as well. Yeah. I remember um, we had an interview with SBS at one point and then the sound engineer was going, wow, you guys are so creative. It's like, you guys got the kick like (laughs) really high. It's all distorting. Yeah. And it's like, no one does that, but it's it's really fresh that you guys are doing it because no one's doing this. We don't know what we're doing. We're the dog at the steering wheel right now, Mr. SBS. Yep, Sound that's, engineer. that's our goal, to push the, the, the mixing um, the mixing boundaries here by not knowing what we're doing. All in the of name of art. Distorting everything, well, yeah. Like
3: a $3.40 bag of hip-hop from your local fish and shit shop. Ah, scallops with the lots of flavour on top. When we do what we do, we give heads of box. Like a three dollar forty bag of fresh ship pop from your yeah, local, local, local fish and chip shop. Ah, scallops with the lots so of flavour on top. When, when we do what we do, we, we give heads the boss. There was a few little pivotal right moments $3. that felt like we had um opened up a door into perhaps uh, a possibility that we hadn't previously thought uh we would we would uh even be faced with. And uh I I could be wrong here, but when scallops got added to triple j it was a quite a significant thing for us because we had operated and thrived in a community radio space so we were working at really um really in a grassroots capacity and and had good relationships and felt like that was just an amazing um sign of what we were doing and and there was an audience for it but when triple j got on board of course then that turned into a national thing and that, I think, was when we started doing a little bit more touring, so we were able to go interstate and um, and play some shows. And I think, you know, that these things were all really incremental steps, but they felt like quite large leaps to us. But then once we started actually consolidating what the herd was, because it was a very – it was a moving beast, uh, even the members that would perform live um, – when we started selling out venues like the Gaelic Club in Sydney and touring to Melbourne and actually selling shows out, those moments really started to um, probably you know tell us that something was happening. um and there was a there was a larger Australian audience that was starting to tap into um, some of the stories that were coming through, and the herd, we started off being kind of quite diverse in types of songs that we wrote. But one thing that was definitely common from the very beginning was a political edge to what we were writing about. And all of the artists that formed the the core of the herd, we felt similarly in trying to explore a bunch of these themes. So we, through solidarity with each other, I think became more excited about writing more and more songs that felt, like, well, we've got nothing to lose. Um, this is amazing that we've got this audience, so let's just go for it. And um, when we saw those songs connecting and resonating, especially at a time, say um, 77% when that came out and burned down the parliament, these songs, they came out at a time when there was a huge sort of movement towards uh, the Iraq war and there were a lot of people protesting, but a lot of media seemed to not be as um, against um, this what we felt was very outrageous in the same way that we felt. But then when we were putting these songs out, we saw that the audience felt the same way as we did. So that actually really energised us and got us even more fired up that, hey, you know, I guess everyone wants to hear this anger and they want to hear this response to these um, situations that our country is being dragged into. And I think that for me that really felt like it gave, it, it consolidated something about Elephant Tracks and really confirmed um, that some of the spirit that was driving through it and that multicultural spirit that it would drive through it, um, you know, that was cool. There was something to it.
1: There definitely was something to it. Over the next two decades, Elephant Tracks has expanded its roster to include some of Australia's most celebrated hip-hop and R&B artists. Members of The Herd branched off to forge independent careers of their own, like Earthboy, Jane Tyrrell and Ozzy Battler. We get around,
3: we get around, on your coat, on your coat.
1: And then there's Dale Harrison, a.k.a. Rock Posture, who played bass guitar for The Herd before becoming a graphic designer for the label.
4: There's a term that... um we have been using lately which is made in multi well proudly made in multicultural australia and that's uh for me is like the basis of the the label was reclaiming that idea of being australian from the other idea of being australian which is about being into nationalism and you know Aussie 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 we were reclaiming it to be about being kind and being Interesting and being friendly and being uh, artistically credible and being politically active and uh, and knowledgeable and being respectful of of others and being welcoming um, and since then have managed I hope to in in all of our practices at the label you know in terms of our roster but also in terms of um, our work practices and uh, the flexible working arrangement that we have at the office you know just stuff like that we've managed to try and be as ethical as possible and it's funny we always talk about it as being a family um and not in a sort of creepy culty way but like just a fan like there's lots of love um it's great when you see artists get along with each other and uh and and see each other for the equals and that there's something powerful to to bring to each other's lives so yeah, that's elephant tracks in a nutshell. Family. It's just about family. Dead shine, shine, dead star, shine, 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 dead star, shine, 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 star, shine. In minutes you can get you can get
1: Someone who began as an intern for the label and turned into a standout star on the roster is L Fresh the Lion. Elfresh is a hip hop artist from Southwest Sydney, and he originally reached out to Earthboy for some advice on how to get into the music industry. Earthboy said, "Sure, but you've got to give back to the label." A few years later, and Elfresh was signed.
0: The label, Elephant Tracks, means a lot to me, particularly from the standpoint of, you know, uh, the artists on that roster were some of the first to really. Uh, reach out and involve me and invite me to be a part of what they were doing um, at shows um, and at events. And they were always, you know, really uh, just interested in what I was doing and very supportive. And so, you know, the label feels like a family vibe to me. And it felt like that um, even just as a friendly kind of way before I was on the roster and so you know it, it means it means a lot to me it feels great to be a part of a, a collective that does think in terms of family you know and it does does think in terms of um, you know how much support it can give to, to just you know really help nurture and develop artists and support their vision so you know elephant tracks means a lot to me and I'm very grateful to this this is our world taken from me it cannot be taken from me this is our world it cannot be taken from me it cannot be taken from me elephant tracks has had a huge impact on australian music over the years it's been 20 years of elephant tracks in music uh, i was eight or nine when they kicked off you know um and they've had they've had it left a huge mark on the scene uh, you know, with so many anthems And for me, I think, you know, what stands out the most Is the impact that their songs have had and Songs with statements, songs with messages um, That speak to the politics of the time And and really leave a lasting social commentary of, of, of what's happening And, you know, there's a bunch of songs from the herd That reflect that mentality From 77% to The King is Dead To you know just a whole bunch of tunes um but then you know it continued on uh with acts across the whole roster you know um and that to me feels like a part of the legacy of elephant tracks with respect to its impact on australian music this is our world it cannot be taken from me this is our world it cannot be taken from me it cannot be taken from me is Greetings everybody, my name is Mira I'm known as the hype MC For Fresh the Lion Yes, that is I The one that jumps up and down with a big ass smile It means a lot to me Because I've seen my best friend Fresh the Lion Being supported by an amazing team um, Family vibe Just acknowledging how important wordplay is And storytelling And knowing that Here was a young man with a goal from Southwest Sydney, Liverpool, that fits right in. There was not a, like, there wasn't a beat missed. To know now that I am a part of Al Fresh the Lions Band and being definitely um, involved with the family of Elephant Tracks has been the best thing.
5: Uh, Utopia, utopia, utopia.
1: word family keeps coming up doesn't it now someone else who has been brought into the circle more recently is actor turned rapper okenyo okenyo trained as an actor at nida and worked in theater before getting a tv gig on play school in recent years she's turned her attention to music and elephant tracks played a big part in making that happen
5: I've been with Elephant Tracks for, I think, a couple of years now, and I remember when I met Tim, a.k.a. Earthboy, he told me that he was really interested in where hip-hop was going, that, yes, we have this, um, we have a version of hip-hop, which I guess is called a st- Aussie hip-hop, but then there are all these new voices coming through, and he was really interested in fostering that, and that really excited me. A few years back, I toured with Earthboy on his album tour, and the Lion was there, and... Often we got up on stage kind of for anybody's gig. So it was just this feeling, I think this is unique to Elephant Tracks, where it really, like it feels like a bit of a cliche but it really feels like a family and I'm not sure whether you really get that at another label. I think it's something that definitely – the crew pride themselves on and you can also feel that from an audience that these people you know it's their 20th anniversary and there are people that have been with them since the beginning so as a new artist on the label it's amazing to feel really welcomed into that family let's
1: be honest to build something from the ground up is a big deal and for it to still be growing and diversifying 20 years on is just damn impressive and yet through all of it Elephant Tracks has stayed true to its ethos of kindness, artistic credibility and respect. How do Kenny and Tim feel about what they've achieved so far?
2: This is the amazing thing that has kept on going on um, and it's so much, I'm so thankful for Tim for running the ship for so long. Uh, I like being ideas man, I come up with these things and then I'll go, okay I want to do something else now. I don't have that personality to keep something going for to build something like this. Um, yeah, this is all Tim. Um, you know what, what's Tim Tim done with, done with it? There's a, a whole team of people. Uh, like you know, five full time staff. We see each other all the time. We're all still great friends. It's great that we get to actually have more fun now, not that we're not gigging as much. That we actually go, hey, why don't we just meet up and have fun? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's really it is really enjoyable having you know, we can all share in
3: the successes of younger artists too. You know, we can just be part of the, um, their experience, not not to in any way impose ourselves, but just to, um, you know, I guess the thing that I love, being really close to the action and also having the likes of Kenny who's still a director and still part of, very much part of the business and part of the label and the, the family, but having um, other artists that aren't necessarily as active participating in the experiences of new artists on Elephant Tracks, it really sort of makes real that sense of family that I think is one of the most rewarding aspects of working with a whole bunch of artists. And I mean, Kenny's being a little bit too generous by saying that like, it's all me because, first of all, I am maybe the sucker that kind of just stuck around and kept on working uh, when maybe there were times where I was a bit confused about what I wanted to do. It um, turns out it was this, at least for now, but the artists themselves are the the people who are most responsible for giving us our personality and informing everybody else what elephant track stands for, and we only can uh, travel with that that general um, you know current of music that that starts to um, define us. so um, yeah, I think you know it, it really is a picture of all of the people that go to the coalface and try and wrestle with their own imaginations and their own experiences to come up with songs that connect with people and form i guess something that feels
2: elephant traxy and also to the um all the fans as well right you know we've put out lots of music and people hear about the name and um people are you know, uh, listening to what we're putting out, just because they respect the name, so we feel we have to live up to that. We have to be able to make sure each of our releases are, you know, top top quality, and we're happy with what we're doing, um, so we can keep that ethos we started 20 years ago. But also, thanks to the big fans for, uh, you know, keeping us going.
4: Yeah.
1: Emma Pike. Thanks for listening to the J Files podcast. And if you'd like to be part of the J Files community, feel free to get in contact with me on Twitter or via the Double J Facebook page. And like we do at the end of every episode, I'll now hand it over to you.
6: Hi, it's Alfred from Perth here. Heard The heard heard, the, heard on Triple J many years ago. And um and yeah, I just thought they were, they were brilliant because they're one of the first acts in hip-hop I heard that were, had a real Australian accent. And they had a bit of a political message too. They were kind of intelligent. It wasn't just kind of like rapping about bitches and bling or whatever. Yeah, I just think Earthboy was a great rapper. And when um, they got Jane Terrell in doing the vocals, but she was amazing, which I guess started a whole thing in Australian hip-hop with... Kind of having like the MC and then the one vocalist on the chorus
0: the way
3: crook
2: you got your ass
6: played in Mandarin the king in terms of having that whole live band element I thought was was, was pretty cool and um, just the fact they were kind of a bit DIY like they started their own label and they supported Australian hip-hop um, yeah I think they did great things to raise the profile of Aussie hip-hop and, and define its, its sound um, and just having that whole big group ethos with all the different MCs it had a real especially live like it was just a real kind of party vibe and a real unity amongst them all and Different backgrounds and stuff, and I just always love that phrase from Unpredictable No one in the herd controls the herd. So I thought it was great because they just that sort of summed them up to me.
5: The J files.